Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri. And I'm John. So John and I are uh, coming together to talk about our shared experience as Sacramento Kings fans. As I've been watching this season, it struck me, and I think it struck most of us, John and I included, that it's been 16 years since the Kings have been good. There's this huge drought. So John, I want to make this about the Kings, our experience as fans, but also like, why are we still loyal to a team that's been losing for so long? So I want to start with that. Why are you still loyal? How how come you're like, you know, still supporting this team every year, which obviously has is great for this year, but how, how come? Um, I think there's the thing where, you know, you pick a team at some point or you settle on a team, you know, and then it's just kind of your team for your life for the most part. Um, and so I think, you know, there's that obvious kind of thing. But then when your team is really bad for a long time, I think it depends on like why they're bad. So for me, the easy contrast is just looking at the Oakland A's, another team that we root for, um, who they're, they've had more success, like way more, you know, especially, you know, in that during that 16 year span than the Kings have had. Um, but the Kings, it seems like the, the losing is kind of an incompetence thing or like they're, it's not like they won't spend money or it's not like they're not trying, you know, they've just had like, I think a big part of it was Divock, you know, being the GM. Um, so I think they've just been kind of incompetent. Whereas, you know, sometimes if your team is like selling off the good players just to save money or won't pay guys, you know, when they become free agents, just like to cheapskate it. And especially when your owner, like I think the Oakland A's owner is like one of the richer guys in the league, or at least was um, at one point, then it that kind of feels different, you know, then it's not like the Kings have ever just like, you know, given up. No, they haven't. That's a good point. And I, I'm with you on all those points. I think there has been a management issue, which we'll touch on later on, but definitely a management issue has led to the Kings uh, struggling over the years. They try to bring in talent, but it never clicked. And it seems like now they have the management for this, you know, the management to go with the owner who spends a lot of money. Also for me, I just have a hard time uh, rooting for another team. Like you said, you know, you, you grow up rooting for a team. I just can't do it. I have to be, I've always been a very loyal fan like you. I'm also a, an A's fan. And in football, I like the Saints. To me, I just, I have the team. I can't just shift. I know some Kings fans did this, but I can't just shift and root for the Warriors or the Lakers or some other West Coast team. I don't connect with that. It doesn't feel authentic to me. If I've also always had this, I don't know, disdain for bandwagon fans. I've never connected with that. I don't know about you. What do you think of of bandwagon fans? Is that also, you think that's part of the reason why, you know, it's almost like how we identify ourselves as fans, as Sacramento Kings fans, we're not bandwagon fans. Yeah, I think that's bothered me my whole life. And that's the reason why I'm not a San Francisco 49ers fan. Because I think when we were young, they were winning Super Bowls. And it felt like to root for them was like to root for the Chicago Bulls or something. It just felt like you were... Um, you know, just kind of hopping on a bandwagon, even though it was our local team. And and I think that that matters too, you know, like teams that are local. Because for me, I threw my football team over the side. I couldn't throw them over fast enough, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it was just because I moved to a place, I moved to Detroit. And that's another thing is that Detroit is the farthest thing from a bandwagon, you know, you can get the Lions. And so it didn't, it didn't feel bad for me to kind of switch just because, I mean, basically, I didn't want to pay for the Sunday ticket. 
<laughs> and wanted to watch some local games. But um, but yeah, I think that uh, the bandwagon stuff's always bothered me. And it seems like you always have a buddy or a guy that you know that like roots for the Lakers and the Cowboys and the Yankees. And there's nothing worse than that. It's just so lame. Yeah, I see it a lot with uh, my students. You might see it too. There's kind of this, especially with San Francisco 49ers, and I think it's the Bay Area. I think it's also a big city thing. You probably see it in New York. You probably see Well, maybe you don't see it in New York, but you see it with a lot of big cities where the team has to be really good for the fan base to attach itself. And that's what I love about the Kings fan base and the culture around the team. And like you said, it is similar to the Oakland A's where it seems as if the fans just get excited over a little bit, you know, there's a a five game winning streak and now it's, and it just feels so good to be a fan of that team. And there's a lot of excitement and energy with that. You know what I mean? I think you see it with the whole light, the beam thing with the, with the Sacramento Kings after they win a game, they light the beam in, in downtown SAC and it's become this nationwide nationwide, you know, thing that everyone understands and, and sees as this energetic fan base, you know, lighting this beam. And I, I think to me, it just shows how excited we get, you know, over the littlest things as a as a small market fan, fan base. And that, that was risky for them because when they started the beam thing, it was early in the season before the winds were kind of rolling in. Yeah. And I thought, man, you're really setting yourself up to be a laughing stock which I guess you're kind of a laughing stock to begin with anyways. So, but man, to put in something that only goes up when you win, when you don't really win. Cause I remember seeing those jokes all the time, like, Oh, they're never going to use it. Or, you know, like, will it ever be used kind of, kind of memes and jokes and stuff. And um, so they really went out on a limb. So let's, let's shift to this idea of uh, this season, you know, how did, so how does this season feel to you? And I asked this because as a fan, this is one of the best experiences that I've had in a long time with all sports. And I don't know if I'm speaking for you too, but for myself, that's how it feels. I experienced it a little bit as a Saints fan, but they had such a long run winning, in the, especially in the regular season, that I got kind of used to it. But with the Kings, I guess it just reminds me of the old C-Web days. I mean, we're old enough to remember when they were really good in the 90s late 90s and early 2000s with Jason Williams, Mike Bibby, Chris Webber. You know, they had a couple different runs, but they had a really good team. And that's what that's the only thing, you know, I can connect it with. It's this unique feeling to me. And I haven't gotten this from another sports franchise. Are you getting that as well with with this specific team? Yeah, I think that because it, we're far enough in the season, I think we're like, I don't know, are we like maybe 30% done, you know, something like that, like in that neighborhood or something. Like I don't that. know. I, I mean, maybe somewhere in that neighborhood. So I think we're far enough into the year where it feels real. It doesn't feel like, oh, we're just like, you know, starting off like against a week schedule or, um, you know, just putting together like a run early and it's kind of fool's gold. Like it does feel like we're going to be at least like at worst, you know, like around 500, you know, for the rest of the season. So, um, yeah, it does feel pretty cool. And it's just something that's, that's different because we've always been so trash and, um, and not only trash too, but some of the players have just been not fun to root for in the past. Like to me, I hated when we had, uh, boogie cousins. I just couldn't stand it. You know, like there's something about the way that the team played the way that, um, like with his attitude and the way that you could tell that even though he had big stats, it wasn't leading to anything. But some fans just loved him and thought we couldn't get rid of him, even though we were winning like 20 games, maybe, 
a year with them. You know, it kind of felt like, like what are we doing? And they just weren't likable. And now I think like all the players are pretty likable. And um, so it's a fun team to root for. That's a great point. I was thinking that as you were talking, there is something about the style of play of this team. They, they're very selfless. They pass the ball around. They play very fast. It's exciting to watch. And they're very likable. They are a very likable team. Uh, you know, it's not rare to see the, the the bench just cheering for the players on the on the court. And a lot of the players are contributing in different ways. You know, the ball is flying around. It's kind of that ideal form of basketball, which reminds, I think, a lot of Kings fans of that late 90s, early 2000s team that was so successful. So it's, it's sort of cool that they have a style that in, in some ways is a lot like the previous team that we had that was successful. So, John, let's take a quick break. And I want to talk about what it's like to be a small market fan and if, if that is sort of contributing to why we are um, so excited about this. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back after the music on the Class X podcast. Welcome back to the Class X podcast. So, John, do you think fandom is different for small market fans? And um, I'll just jump in with my take first. I think it's different because we're more loyal. It just seems that small market fans are more loyal. And I have a story about this. I actually went to a Kings Warriors game a few, about a month ago in Sacramento. I sat right next to this really cool guy who is a Lakers fan. He's actually a Lakers and Warriors fan because his wife is a Warriors fan. Really great guy, and uh, he knew so much about basketball. Really nice. We were talking for hours throughout the game. And then, actually, there was a great moment where, because every time Steph Curry would shoot the ball, he uh, he would fall down and get a foul. And it was, it was getting annoying, and the fans were booing. It's kind of like that veteran move. You know, you shoot the ball and you fall down. And some players do it too much. Curry was doing it way too much in this game. And the guy turned to me and he's, he just said, man, I can't root for this. This is just ridiculous. I, how can I root for this guy falling down? So I, I liked him. He was really objective. But he was a Lakers fan. And I mentioned, because the cowbell started to play, and he, started, and he asked me about the cowbell. And I referenced the Kings-Lakers rivalry. And I said, I think it started when, with that early 2000s rivalry. And then he just turned to me and started laughing and said, what, what rivalry? Like, what rivalry are you talking about? And so I was kind of surprised by it because I thought, man, he's being a jerk. What, why, why is he saying that? But then I thought, that's my perspective. From his perspective, the Lakers have had so many different teams that they've played. They've been so successful. Every year they have a different rival. So it kind of made me see it as a small market thing. You know, we have this little guy underdog narrative. And I'm just wondering, like, do you... Number one, do you think that like, you know, there's a difference with the small market fans and maybe the, the narratives we cling to? And I don't know, do, have you had similar experiences? Um, I think that with the rivalry thing, just because we haven't been good for so long, it's not like we've had a playoff series against anybody else. It's not like, you know, it's kind of like the guy who like, you know, his ex breaks up with them and then he doesn't have a girlfriend forever. So he's still obsessed with her. Like if you don't like have anything else afterwards, like the, this is the last thing that you that you had an experience with or that you remember. And so um, so I think, yeah, for us, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that back in the day. But that was really just a blip. You know, it was just only like a handful of years that that was going on with the 
between the Kings and the Lakers. And since then, yeah, the Lakers have had series against other teams and, you know, like, you know, they've obviously like they've won championships since then and stuff. So yeah, for, for the rivalry perspective, for sure, it's probably different. And I think, yeah, I think it is different being um, a fan of a small market team because you really have to burn calories to, to keep up with the team. Like you have to actually look stuff up the national conversation when you're watching TV shows, they never bring up your team. I get excited like all the time when I hear um, people bring up the Kings or talk about the Kings on a podcast or on a, you know, on some kind of, um, you know, like talking head show. And so I think that, yeah, if you're going to be a fan of a small market team, especially when they're not very good, even when they are good, it's not like anybody talks about the Oakland days that much when they're, when they're good. Um, so yeah, I think you, it's cause you just have to put in the, you know, you actually have to Google stuff, look stuff up, find it on TV to really follow the team at all. Yeah, actually, I listened to this wrestling podcast with a guy named uh, Wade Keller, and he's a big Minnesota Timberwolves fan. And he just, you know, Minnesota fan. And and he talks about the same idea that when you are a small market fan, you hear the, the general narrative from the mainstream media, and you could tell that they haven't been paying attention from the things that they say. And uh, that's so true because... I just so happen, and actually you do as well, we like small market teams. We're A's fans, we're Kings fans. I like the Saints, you like the uh, the Lions. These are all small market teams in the sense. I don't know, are the Lions considered a small market team? Uh, kind of. I mean, I think because they're so bad, you know, but they are, and Detroit, like as a city, I mean, there's a lot there with like, you know, it's shrinking over the years and stuff. I don't feel like it's a small market team. I'm using air quotes, um, but because they've been so bad, it kind of feels small markety, you know. Yeah, that's true. And I, I, so for me, I can connect with that idea because there does seem to be a, you know, they they know what's going on. The media, being they, they know what's going on in L.A., in New York, in Boston, Miami, maybe, but yeah, Sacramento, they have no idea typically. And so for us, you're right. We have to we have to really put in work to understand what's going on with our team. And uh, it does make it more rewarding, I think, to understand what's what's going on. So, okay, let's get into this Kings season, a little bit of uh, inside Kings basketball. So, John, what would a successful, I guess before we get inside it too much, what would a successful season look like for the Sacramento Kings team for you? Um, in my opinion, like super success, like the best thing ever would be if they made the playoffs above the play-in because the NBA has this like play-in thing now, or if you're like one of the bottom four teams that makes it in, you have to have like a, I don't know, do they, is it like just like a one, one and done kind of thing? Like we're to make it in. I think um, it's a little playoffs. bit more than so that. If we could avoid, is it like two out of three or something? Or I don't know. Um, but either way, if they make it above the play-in cut and they're just like a straight-up playoff team, to me that's like way above and beyond you know anything I would have you know hoped for at the beginning of the year. If we make the play the play-in, that's awesome. Like I think that's pretty good. Uh, but I just hope that, which I don't think we'll do now. If this was a few years ago, I could see us making really dumb trades that mortgage the future just to like make the play-in, which I think the Kings used to do. Like they were like kind of like buyers when they were. Um, you know, like had no chance of competing just because they were so desperate. You could like feel the desperation, you know, just to make it like as an eight seed and just get trounced by the one seed, which I always thought was kind of dumb. Uh, but yeah. Uh, what about you? What do you think? 
I think I'm like you for the, I think for me, success is the playoffs. A uh, six seed would be great. Like you said, you know, just avoiding that play in and getting in would be awesome. Now, if they won a series, I'm saying just one series. I'm not trying to go crazy. If they win one series, that's like a championship for a Celtics fan. I think if we win one round oh, yeah. one, that's it. Hang a banner. <laughs> yeah, that's first it. round champs. That's it. I mean, they should get rings for that. Oh yeah, I mean, as Kings fans, we're excited about our I think 2002 Pacific Division title, um, and I'm surprised that we didn't win more division titles during that era. But that the Lakers were really good. Uh, but but one series, I'm happy that I could think about how good the Kings are going to be in the next few years, and like you know just fantasize about it and text you and other people about how good the Kings are going to be in the future. And yeah, that's it. Just one series. You know, why not? Yeah, that would definitely be success. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I think uh, I'll buy the gear. I'll buy the merch. <laughs> I, th- I think it was, I always think that's like a clown move. Like if you ever buy like the uh, division champs hat, you know, like that is like a clown move, but like I would wear it with pride. Oh, for sure. Definitely. I think I would buy a division or if they want a division, oh, for sure. Yeah. Which at this oh, point of the season, in. John, at this point of the season, I think the vision is actually in the running. You know, it's in play. It's in play. So I'm going to get really inside King's talk right now. Are you okay with the uh, Tyrese Halliburton trade? You know, I'm a big Sabonis fan. I think to me, he's the central figure in this whole team. <laughs> they run the offense through him, that he's, you know, the defense. I, I just. Halliburton was my favorite player. I was bummed out. But now that I see what the Kings are doing with Sabonis, I kind of also associate it with the the criticism of drafting Keegan Murray over Jaden Ivey. To me, it's like the Kings are drafting for the position for the in – in a more – they're drafting and they're signing for in this holistic way. They're not really looking at, oh, this is the best player – in this position because we already have like Fox, for example, we don't need Ivy at guard because we already have Fox. And I think they're just, they're just looking to fill in the gaps, which I think is what good teams do. The problem with the Kings is, as you've mentioned a few times in this podcast, they've had a horrible front office for years. And I think the fan base is very skeptical of every single move, even if the moves are good. You know, so what do you think about the moves? The, yeah. the Murray, the Murray draft pick, uh, Sabonis versus Halliburton. What do you think? Um, yeah, I was. Uh, I think the thing that makes the Halliburton uh, thing really like, like I'm, I'm happy with what we got, and that, like, if we were going to redo it, like, if, if, like, you know, if you're asking, like, would you make the trade again? At this point, I would say yes, just because Fox has shot the ball so much better. Um, if this year was like a, a Fox doing like his Russell Westbrook impersonation, um, I think then I would be like really upset, you know, with the trade, but it has worked out really well. And I think like Sabonis is like even leading the league in rebounding. I know he's leading the league in double doubles. And, um, so I, I think at this point, like I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. The only thing with the drafting stuff is I think, uh, I think when your team is bad, I think in the, in basketball, like drafting for need isn't always like that smart because it's like your team sucks. Like if you're drafting high, your team is bad. You don't like, you know, putting together the pieces is kind of like, well, you don't really have any, you know, just take the best guy. Uh, but I don't even know if that is Ivy. I, I really haven't like followed closely enough to, to really know, you know, how that's kind of panning out. And um, 
I think the thing that kind of concerned me was that he was so that uh, Murray, the guy that we did draft was kind of older. And I think that like, usually like drafting older guys high, like doesn't really pan out very well, but um, if he can just keep shooting, cause I think he shoots really well. I think he's had like a stretch of pretty rough games, but, um, but I think he is like a really good uh, complimentary piece. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with everything you said. I think he's a good complimentary piece. He's playing well lately, but he had a tough month of November. So, yeah, it is it is an interesting yeah. kind of d- discussion because I do think it comes with a lot of baggage as a Kings fan. Um, but it's worked out so far, right? And like you said, Sabonis has made Fox better. That is another thing that Halliburton was not doing. Halliburton was making other players better, but not Fox. And so that's a big thing. So let's take a quick break. I want to come back and go back to some general ideas, specifically, John, you know, just asking you about what do people say to you when you tell them you're a Kings fan? Uh, Because I think it's a kind of a funny discussion uh, since I've also had uh, experience with this and uh, seeing the reaction from people, especially in Northern California, where the Warriors are kind of dominant in this area. So we'll take a quick break and we'll come back on the Class X Podcast. Welcome back to the Class X Podcast. So John, what do people say to you when you tell them you're a Kings fan? I know you're in Detroit now, so that must even add to the confusion but uh, I live around in either I live around here, you know, in, in Napa, and I teach a bunch of uh, Warriors fans. And I, I still remember telling this guy, this colleague of mine, I don't really see him often, but I was subbing a class and he was in it. And he was talking about the playoffs last year and the Warriors and uh, and how how good they were looking. And then I just mentioned being a Kings fan, and I remember him telling me. He looked at me and he said, "Wow, you're still telling people you're a Kings fan." Like you're, he said, you're really loyal. I have much respect for you after saying that because you're still saying you're a Kings fan and you could have easily left the team. Uh, so it was funny because I laughed at what his comment and it was a joke, but you know, there's, there's, there's truth to that kind of reaction. People are often confused, even in this area that I'm a Kings fan. Um, what about you, John? Do you have the same experience? Yeah. Uh, I've had that feeling too myself of because it's a double whammy of you're watching the Warriors win championships and then as an A's fan like you're watching the Giants win World Series you know they rolled up a few in the last like decade and so it is kind of like a sliding doors thing if I just would have went to like some different games as a kid even though I went to like a lot of Giants games but you know what I mean like easily we could be Warriors and Giants fans and you know what I mean and have like a totally different experience Um, but yeah, I think when I was when I lived in California and I would tell um, when I would tell my students, you know, that like they would see like the Kings like, you know, flag on my wall or whatever. And they would like make fun of it. They were really primed to just tell me how bad they sucked. Um, but here when I say it, it's just kind of like conf- not, confusion was the first word I thought of. But it's not even confusion. It's like telling somebody, yeah, I'm really into like pro lacrosse, you know, or like man, I'm a big fan of this uh, second division team in Germany. Like they're great and they don't really like react to it. They don't hate them. They don't have an opinion on them. Um, They just kind of like, 
I don't know. They don't really react to it at all. And they don't even make comments on because I have the the King stuff on my wall and they don't they never bring it up or it's like beneath them so much. Kind of like that guy who you said like you talked to him about the the rivalry, uh, you know, in air quotes, like according to the Lakers. Um, that it's just like it's so far like it just like they don't it's like when somebody says somebody's name and they go, Who? You know, it's like they, they don't even have an opinion about it. So that's my experience. We're like Mr. Irrelevant uh, in the draft or with the last guy who gets drafted in the NFL draft. <laughs> um, but to me. Yeah, I even had a buddy who oh, I was going to say, uh, I was I was watching the Michigan football game at a guy who's, uh, you know, at his house where I teach with them. And uh, he's just, you know, making conversation. And he started asking how the Warriors were doing. And like, I know that he's seen like King's garb on me and stuff, but he still just kind of assumed, I guess, like that I was a that I was a Warriors fan because I'm from California. But anyways, yeah. He just thought you were confused or you liked the colors or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just like didn't compute. And he's just like, how about them Warriors? So it's funny. And that's true. It's very true. It's people's natural kind of, you know, understanding. You know, there's a Southern California team, the Lakers, and there's a Northern California team, the uh, the Warriors, at least right now. That's not how it was when we grew up, honestly, because the Warriors weren't good for forever. But that's how it is uh, right now. But we may be entering a Kings era. This is a young team. They're really good. And, you know, the Warriors are getting old, John, and the Lakers look lost. So, you know, how crazy is that? Do you do you see that as a possibility, this possible new era where the Kings are, maybe the Kings and the Suns are competing for the Pacific Division title and the Warriors are slipping a little bit? Lakers are totally lost right now. So I think we can agree to that. Yeah, I think the Lakers have a problem where they have LeBron and LeBron just basically demands that they mortgage the future, like no matter what, for whatever he wants. For He's done that with every team. Like in Cleveland, it was like they would they would sell off like draft picks and stuff for these guys who are washed up and, um, you know, past their prime, just kind of like these Band-Aid kind of guys that, um, you know. So I think that they're, as long as they have LeBron and they're just like letting him kind of do his GM LeBron thing. Like the Lakers are always going to just give away, you know, assets and stuff. And uh, yeah. And they, the thing with the Warriors is they've, they have these younger guys who looked kind of promising, who really haven't been very good. I don't think like, I think Wiseman um, has been down in the G league for a little bit or was, um, I know he's, he's come back, but um, Kuminga, like, I don't think, I don't know if he's been that great. You know, I don't think he has been. So, it looked for a minute like they had this this core that was great, plus these young guys coming up too. But it seems like that's really kind of falling flat. So, yeah, I, I don't know. As far as like the taking over, you know, like how they'll say with like bigger markets, you know, they'll say like, oh, is this the Nets town now instead of a Knicks? I don't know if I've ever witnessed, you know, in our lifetime that actually happened. I don't know if we've seen like, you know, one of those blue blood teams kind of uh, become the clown team when the clown team is taken over as like taking over the city. So I don't know. I don't know what that would take to happen. Yeah. I don't know either, but I see to me, the, the Kings are a young team. They're exciting. They're getting a lot of, you know, I've, I've read that they're the number one sort of a, the league pass team, you know, people want to watch them. They have mm -hmm. a fun brand of basketball. It does remind me a lot of the late nineties, early two thousands, which is funny. Cause I've been on, uh, Reddit boards and, you know, reading comments on YouTube when I'm watching highlights. And I, I see people say, say things like, uh, I remember the Kings when they were good, I was four years old. And, and I, I just keep thinking, wow. I mean, we were in high school, you know, when they were good. So I think 
that's part of our loyalty is that we we grew up with a bad Kings team also, you know, those Mitch Richmond 90s Kings teams. But then they became good when we were at an age where it was, you know, basketball was such a big deal in our lives, you know? And uh, I mean, it still is clearly, <laughs> but but it's, uh, it, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. I think, you know, sports are fascinating in general because things do change so fast. You know, teams go from being good to bad. Athletes age. I think you're seeing that with the Warriors. Uh, coaches lose their touch. And the Kings just seem to be connecting on all these things. They, they're young. One thing we haven't talked about too much is they have great chemistry. And then Mike Brown, the coach, has done an amazing job. And we haven't said anything about Mike Brown. What do you think about, about Mike Brown? Why, why do you think he's been so successful? And what do you think of him as a coach? Because I just love watching him on the sidelines. Yeah, I think it's almost kind of like a referee kind of thing. Like, you know, the referees are doing a good job if you're not like saying their names. And there's nothing like that stands out with Mike Brown where I'm like, man, he calls timeouts at terrible times or uh, why does he keep going with this guy or, you know. So I to me, there's nothing that I've I've seen where I'm like, oh, that's a great, you know, great job. Other than just hearing, you know, the people who are on the broadcast who are going to be Homerish saying he's doing awesome. So, I mean, as far as I can tell, I think he's doing a really good job. Well, he seems to me like he's teaching a lot. He's on the sidelines. He's always talking to the players. He's shouting out plays. So he's a really active coach, you know, kind of the opposite of that Phil Jackson just laid back. Or even Steve Kerr sort of sitting down and letting the play unfold. He's very involved. So in some ways, this Kings team feels feels like a college team in some ways because there's this college energy and the coach is calling out plays. And there's a system on offense and defense and just this complete buy-in. So I don't know. I, any final thoughts, John? Because I waited a long time to, to try to – we waited a long time to do a Kings podcast because I think both of us weren't – and still we're still probably a little skeptical. But I think it's safe to say, like you said before, it's about 30% through the season, almost the all-star break, and the Kings are still good. So we could say that – you know, realistically, my final thought is we're being realistic. This is not delusion. They are a good team. They're competing. They're competing, and they'll probably compete for one of those last seeds in the playoffs. So that's my final thought. What? what any any thoughts before we leave? Um, yeah, just that it feels good knowing that because in the past, when like speaking of coaching, that whenever we'd have a coach who was doing well, we'd just get rid of them. You know, and it was like either he wasn't, you know, like DeMarcus Cousins either didn't like him or which I don't even think was the case. I think one of, in one of the cases uh, with was a coach Malone, where I think that he actually clicked with him pretty well. And we got rid of him for some inexplicable reason. Like, I don't feel like in the past where you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop, like, you know, the season's going to end poorly and we're going to do something dumb in the offseason. Um, so I think that's just a, a good feeling as a Kings fan. Yeah, it is that the the, the front office, the owners are not going to do something that that ruins all this whole um, magical season, right? So thanks for listening to the Class X podcast. Uh, thanks for subscribing, and uh, please leave a rating. I've seen some new ratings, so thanks to to the listeners for leaving a new rating um, or two, and uh, we really appreciate it. So thanks for listening to the Class X podcast. We'll see you next week. Thank you.